Yes, Lord, we exalt your name. Recording in progress. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All hail the King. I want to pray at this moment. I want your undivided attention for us to begin to go before the Lord and to ask Him to join us that His presence would be here, which He already is. But I want Him to speak to us and I want Him to speak to you in a specific way. Father, we we come before you, Lord. And Lord, I ask of you in Jesus' name that those that need to be here, O oh Lord, they, they will be here and they will remain to the point. Lord, they would remain and they would hear what they have to hear, Father. God, I ask that your divine power would be upon me to proclaim your word in truth. Father, that I would not trust in anything other than your Holy Spirit to communicate spiritual truths. Father, I pray that your word would go forth and bring direction and, Lord, conviction and encouragement, whatever, Father, your people need to hear. Lord, I pray that it, you would give just that. Holy Spirit, I pray that there would be a transformation in our hearts. There would be a reforming in our hearts. Father, I ask right now that clarity would be given. Father, I come against every satanic attack and every demonic lie that would want to enter into the hearts and the minds of your people to deviate them, Father, from listening. Father, I come against every demonic distraction in the mighty name of Jesus, Father, and I pray, God, I ask right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would bring it low. Holy Spirit, I pray that, Lord, at the end of this meeting, and Father, even in the beginning, in the middle of this uh, meeting, Father, there would be no temptation to think that everything that has been spoken is merely by the words of men. But Father, I pray that there would be an evidence, a reality, an undeniable uh, evidence that you, Father, are speaking through me, Lord. Father, that no man may refute or no man may resist and say it's just, it's his interpretation or, or any nonsense like that. Father, I ask right now that an otherworldliness, Lord, a sense of supernatural and divine power would clothe me Father, to communicate your truth as a dying man to dying men. Father, I pray that I would be like Richard Baxter who said, I'll preach as a dying man to dying men as if I'll never preach again. Father, help me to speak these truths in light of eternity. Father, I ask that I would not be overbearing where I ought not to be overbearing. But Father, let me not handle your word with lightness. Where there, where there is no warrant to handle it with lightness. Father, I pray that weight would be upon, Father, this meeting, God. And may we not, Lord, leave the same. I pray that you would make us disciples and give us grace and strength, Lord, to endure, Father, your word, Lord. 
Yes, Father, give us grace to hear. Give us eyes to see. And finally, Lord, give us mouths to proclaim and give us hands to, pure hands, undefiled hands. And I pray that if anybody's on the fence today or tonight, God, that they would, they would get off and they would make that decision. That they would choose this day, whether life or death, cursing or blessing. And Father, I pray that it would radically change their homes. And those who need to sober up and wake up, Lord, that they would wake up. And they would stop playing. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, I was reading a passage in, I believe it's John 11, if I'm not mistaken, the other day. And Jesus says this words. He says, Father, I thank you for you always hear me. So I thank you for you, for you always hear me. And I'm thanking the Lord because he heard me. I trust that you have the confidence too to say that. You know, there's things and there's prayers that you pray that God, He doesn't hear. You ask amiss and therefore you have not. That's what He tells us in James. But I'm asking today that God's Word would go forth and that it would change you, it would change me. And that's the will of God, and so therefore God hears me. And so that will happen today if you open up your hearts. Right? You would open up your hearts. And I want you to understand this. I've said this before, but I need you to get it. <clears throat> Contrary to popular belief, not all Christians are ambassadors. <clears throat> not all Christians are ambassadors. Ambassadors are legal representatives of a king, of a, of, a, of a president, and ministers alone serve as ambassadors. And so I say that because I'm an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And other ministers who minister faithfully the word are also ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say that very heavily because I need you to understand that every time that I come and we have a Bible study, we have these gatherings, and I speak faithfully the words of the Lord Jesus, understand that He has given me authority. Not a denomination, not, not men. Christ Himself has given me authority to proclaim His Word. And I serve as a legal representative of, of Christ. And this is not arrogance, it's Bible. This is why Paul says, We, referring to the apostles, beseech you, we in the stead of Christ, as if God was pleading through us to you, be ye reconciled to God, and receive not the grace of the Lord in vain. Right? He makes a distinction between the we and the you. 
And so he's serving as a legal representative uh, uh, pleading for the Corinthian church to give heed to the words that were spoken by Paul because they were not the words of men. And this is what he says in the first chapter. He says, When I came unto you, brethren, I didn't come unto you with eloquency of speech or persuasive words of wisdom, but I came with you to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. You know, just the other day I prayed for, uh, last night I prayed for this brother. He was backslidden. He went back into the world clubbing and fooling around with women and all this other nonsense. And um, I prayed for him on, uh, you know, via uh, Instagram messages. And uh, he began weeping. Despite the hardness of his heart, he began weeping. He said when he returns, and he was at work. The power of God hit him. He says, when I go home, I'm going to pick up my Bible and I'm going to be, begin praying again. He says, I felt the presence of God. I say that because I too, I come in the power of God and I, I'm not with nonsense. I'm here to communicate to you what, what thus saith the Lord. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. And I say this, one other thing, the reason why God comes with his presence, do you know why? Because God backs me and he backs my words. Because I proclaim his words. Do you know that's why God's presence comes? Because he backs that minister, he backs those words. And it's a way to indicate that if you're denying what is spoken to today, you're denying the words of God. No, I'm not God. Don't get it twisted. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if I accurately and faithfully proclaim this in the spirit, uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the text is is according to the Word, if my words are according to this text, then it's as if you're rejecting the words of Almighty God because that's what, in fact, you are doing. Amen. Now, if you receive. If you receive the words of eternal life, then obviously you're on the right track. <clears throat> but I, I want to I want to communicate and it's it's a very heavy message for me to communicate and I I trust that the Lord will give you grace to be able to endure. You know, I was in a I visited a church recently and um because um, I was invited, and and there was worship, right? And if I could be very frank, um, I'm a spiritual man, and I, I can uh, worship the Lord despite the music not being my preference, because it's not about my preference, because preference is a natural thing. It's not necessarily a spiritual thing. But despite my lack, the, the my preference of genre of music you know um, it, it was it was terrible and I, I began to I, I began to pray I said God I said God help me to endure this music and um, and I began to think I said you know if I have to endure worship that's how you know you ain't called to worship God ain't never asked you to endure worship. He asked you to endure the word. 
Do you understand that? And so this is a correction for some of us. If people are having to endure your worship as a guitar player, as a pianist, as a singer, it's probably not your call. And you should not be selfish and uh, and, and um, create an atmosphere to where people have to endure what you're saying or what you're singing, right? That doesn't mean you can't sing, but the Bible says play the harp skillfully. So there's a skill that's needed. However, the Bible says that we are to endure sound doctrine. And that a time will come that men, they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't. They, they, they don't want to hear it any longer. I, I can't. I, I don't have the stamina to keep with this stuff anymore. But look, if you if you'll turn to me, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And I want to say, I want to qualify that and say that we are not to be unnecessarily heavy and make it any more difficult than what it is. There are certain persons whose character in Christ is so obnoxious and so uh, um, abrasive and... and um, they're just unnecessarily heavy and mean, and, and that's not who we are to be. You know, I've heard one man say that the gospel is already offensive. Do not say it offensively. Amen. People are already having to work through a difficulty embracing this gospel that it demands our death. We ought not to lay other heavy bricks of offense on that message and make it virtually impossible for people to receive. But the, the Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, this is the Lord, the Lord's words. This is what he says. He says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. So what does he say there in verse 22? No, excuse me, 23. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Do you hear that? Guess what? That means that you will not always get what you want. That means God that means in other words you don't have rights of your own anymore. If in fact you have been purchased with the price by the blood of Christ, you don't belong to yourself anymore. Do you understand that? This is why the Bible refers to us in the Greek as doulos. Or that's singular, but in plural, douloi. Servants, slaves, bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I have marks. I'm branded by Christ. I'm his slave. He, 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 he tells me where to go and he tells me what to do. And if we, if we think for a minute that if Christ is not our ser- uh, master, that we get scot-free, that we can just stay neutral in this life, we are gravely mistaken. Because I will assure you this, that the devil will pimp you out and he will be your master. We cannot live a neutral life where we are no one's servant, no one's slave. Even if you want to live for yourself and insist on doing what you want to do, the devil will pimp you out and he will become your master. It will come at a cost. It will come at a price. I was seeing an Instagram reel and I couldn't help but to see this tragic um, form of idolatry. There were Indians not native Indians as we as Americans will understand them as you know, but Indians as from India and stuff like that. These little girls were feeding this this idol food, this fat golden Buddha or whatever it was. And I speak as an insult to that stuff because it damns people to hell, because behind those idols are demons, and I have no regard or respect for demons. They're my enemy. They're your enemy. I don't mock people. I mock their false gods. That's what Elijah did. So I'm not doing anything unbiblical. That's why he says when the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves, he says, where's Baal at? He's probably relieving himself, taking a dump. That's not my words. That's Bible. I'm not, I'm not, trying, to add, I'm not trying to be facetious here or, or, or you, know, uh, um, you know, say things that will... Make people laugh. It's it's there in the text in First Kings. Cry louder. He's, he's not hearing you. But but, but uh, they they were feeding this idol fruit. You know why people do stuff like that? Because God and demons require sacrifices. They require sacrifices. They require service. But see, Jesus serves in love, and 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 um, He wins your heart because He first loved us. Not that we loved God, but He first loved us. But demons, on on the contrary, hate you. They hate your family. They hate your guts. They want you dead. They want you tormented. And they don't care whether you love them or hate them. They will exact payment from you. Does this make sense? They will They will give you that. Let me say this, and I say this with all conviction. They will give you that handsome-looking man. They will give you that woman with those curves. But it comes at a price, and it may not be today, but it may be five years later down the line, and the devil's going to come at your doorstep and say, Remember, I gave you what you wanted. Where's my payment at? 
They're mobsters. They will come and they will tax you. They need their payment. But Jesus pays in his life's blood for your and my heart. That's the sacrifice he asks of us. He says, I want your heart. I don't need your money. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. But here's the thing with Jesus. He doesn't leave us empty. We come off as better than when we first had come to him. With the devil, we come to him better and leave far worse, if not dead. Amen. Jesus wants to clean us up. He wants glory to abound on our lives. So though I'm speaking of language to describe us as slaves, do not be mistaken that we enter in slavery, but we come out as kings and queens. A royal priesthood, sons and daughters of the Most High that are clothed in majesty and will reign with Him. So it is incentivized. There are benefits that are procured for those who say, I will do the Master's bid. Enchain me into His service and His kingdom so that I may live free. But it's those who desire to live free, they become enchained by their own lusts and pride and, and desires. It's the enslaved man that is free and it's the free man that's truly enslaved. But he spilt his precious blood. It's the way that the master went, shall not the servants tread it still. Like Paul said, he said, the son of God loved me and he gave his life for me. He loved me. <clears throat> like John says in his first letter, he says, not that we loved God, but he first loved me. He first loved me. That's why I live for him. There's no other reason for me to live. As great as other people are, it's not for them. As great as jobs are, it's not for that. It's for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for Him. And for Him alone. But He says that we are to deny ourselves. He denied Himself. If He didn't deny Himself, we'd all be in hell today. He said, but in that garden, he says, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And I'm wondering who would be in hell if you didn't pray that prayer. Some people may have not come to faith because of your obedience. I know because of certain person's obedience, I, I, I'm in the kingdom today. I remember in that hot August night 10 years ago, I'm on the at the altar and I'm praying. I'm saying, God, if you hear me, please save me. Have someone come and pray for me. Two minutes later, a, 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 young, a young teenager who I did not know 
and a crowd of 250 youth comes up to me and says, the Lord told me to come and pray for you. And at that moment, I knew that there was a God in heaven who heard. He heard prayer. And he says, you've been asking to be saved and, and to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, which is what I was exactly praying there. <laughs> and he heard me. He heard me. He heard my cry. And as they began to pray for me, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit like this fire that began to come on the top of my head and, and it began to enter me. I felt the Holy Ghost enter me and I felt these bubblings begin to well up in my soul and I began to speak in these unknown tongues and I felt the presence of God and I began to cry and weep and weep in His presence and I felt for the first time in my life a pure love that had right changed my life and I remember there weeping at the altar for about an hour and then afterward I I, I, I turned to my <laughs> I turned to my friends with joy on my face like you see now no faking it, it just was what it was and I recall having murder and violence and lust in my heart and having anger uh, feeling like I'm going to combust and then the spontaneous uh, uh, just spontaneously in the next instant, I felt this joy and these these bricks, as it were, began to lift off my shoulders. And I turned to my friend and I said these exact words. This is my only reference point. I said, no drug that I sniffed, no, no drug that I popped, uh, nothing that I've smoked. I said, the women, the drugs, none of that stuff can compare to what I have experienced today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that same night, the dude who hours before I was going to knock out and who threatened to slice my throat when I was when I was going to sleep, he got saved himself. And what would have been an ugly altercation ended up turning out him and I making amends. Because how many of you know the love of Christ tears down barriers and walls? The love of Jesus changes the hearts of people. It changes our hearts. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. See, many of us, we want crowns, but it doesn't come without a cross. Look, <clears throat> I, don't, I, don't, I don't make the words up, you know. I didn't invent some cult and create my own holy book and write these words, you understand? <laughs> They're hard words. And I have to face up to them too. I'm not the author. I'm just a mailman. And I see here though that the author has told me that there's a cross that I must bear. There's a cross you and I must bear. <laughs> Amen. 
But let me say this. There's one cross that we bear in this life. For those who reject Christ, there's a million crosses they will endure for all of eternity. May the Lord give you strength and grace to endure your cross, I pray. <clears throat> we don't live at Calvary. We live in the heavenlies. That's where we live. Do you understand that? We are endued with power to actually live victorious lives. That's the hope of the gospel. I don't for a minute buy this whole, I'm a wretched sinner, sort of, not. that's not the gospel. And there's nowhere in the New Testament I'm addressed as a sinner. It says I'm a saint. It says I dwell in heavenly places with Christ. It says I'm more than a victor. More than a conqueror. And we can live those realities by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So even though you're hearing me talk about this stuff, these hard words, don't think that it's impossible. In your flesh, it's impossible. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, He says, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what Paul said. You might say, well, I'm in a difficult marriage. Well, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Now, I want to say this. I'm not talking about submitting to abuse. If a man is legitimately abusing you and he's your husband, then I would leave him. I'm talking about legitimate abuse. I'm not talking about fights and, you know, disagreements and you feel like pulling your hair. It's kind of hard. I'm not talking about this stuff. I'm talking about like legitimate physical abuse. I would call the cops and I would leave him, divorce him. That, that's what I would do. <clears throat> but don't try to redefine abuse, right? Just because you, you're kind of in a sticky situation and you don't really like it. You know, you can avoid premarital sex because Christ can give you strength. Christ can give you strength to deny the person that you're infatuated with, that you can't seem to get over. Christ can give you strength. But the devil says the complete opposite. No, he can't. No, he won't. You can't do this. Just fall. Fall into your sin. He will forgive you. And then what you don't realize is that, yes, God will forgive you. But each time you go to that sin, all you're doing is strengthening your proclivity and your tendency to go right back to that nonsense. And so while you may be forgiven, you're enchained. You're forgiven, but you're in chains and you're in shackles. And you're always wrestling. You, you, you have no assurance of the forgiveness of God. Because while you have been forgiven by God, the devil is, is, is communicating to you what's right before you and what you're doing as a, a constant reminder of his damning gospel. You're guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. 
So you don't live in freedom as a consequence. But God doesn't hasn't called us to live like that. He wants us free and free indeed. He who the Son sets free, they're free indeed. Jesus has called us unto freedom. But Paul says, he says, don't allow your freedom to be an occasion for you to fall back into slavery. You know, I remember Raven Hill said on one occasion, he says, you know, we're clapping our hands and saying blessed assurance in, in, in church and we have no assurance. And I get that it's possible for you to be walking in a thin line and still doubt your assurance of salvation. I, I get that. It's possible. But I will tell you this. You're only strengthening those doubts that exist if you don't obey God. You're just going to strengthen the doubts. And God doesn't want your doubts to be strengthened. He wants your faith to be strengthened. Amen? Denial of self. Denial of self. And you know, I don't know why. It's not because I'm a broken record with this stuff. But the Lord always has me talking about relationships. And so I'm going to just say this very simply, man. Look, and I'm obeying Him and I'm speaking about this for a reason. So I'm going to say this very personally. Quit it. I say this prophetically. Stop it. Cut whoever out of your life God is telling you and get over and get on with your life. God has you for glory. That's shame and nonsense, man. God help you. God give you strength and grace. Now after you've suffered a little while, may the God of all grace make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Amen. I I told you that you know, today will be a, a very heavy message. And I'm not trying to be heavy handed for the purpose of being heavy handed. I am I'm not, trust me. But Jesus makes it very clear that there's a cross for you and I to bear. There's a cross. But as I've said, we don't live there. If we've gone through the cross, what happened when Jesus endured it he rose again with resurrection power and he stands at the right hand of the majesty on high he's living in glory Jesus says this he says those who have given up things for the gospel for the sake of the kingdom he says will in the life after and in this life 
be rewarded a hundredfold. So he's not just waiting for us to get to heaven. Do you know that reward can come on this side of eternity? Do you know that? So there's an incentive for your obedience. It's not that you just have to wait to get to heaven to receive blessings from God. It means that in this momentary time when you're under testing and you're under trial, you have to endure if you want the glory of God to rest upon you. If you want His blessings. He says your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. But the devil, he comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. So if there's a depletion in your life, who is it? It's not the Lord. Do you think the Lord comes to households and leaves it worse than when He comes? He leaves it better off than when He had come previously. So, it, But when the devil comes to your household, do you think He leaves it better or if He leaves it worse? He leaves it worse. That's if you have a household afterward. But the Holy Spirit comes as a gentle dove. And he rests. Now there's a song by Juanita Bynum. It says, he says, Lord, uh, it says, uh, it says, like the dew in the morning, come and rest upon my heart. For when you rest, there I find rest. Like the dew in the morning, come and rest upon my heart. Come and rest upon my heart. Hallelujah. Now if you would turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. I hope we're okay. I mean that. I mean that sincerely. I do. I, I, I know I know how difficult it can be to hear. I do. I, I have I have crosses too to bear, you know. So but this is what the word of the Lord reads. First, uh, Second Timothy, chapter one, verses thirteen through fourteen. What you, um, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit that lives, who lives in us. <clears throat> so, Jesus tells us, as I read in Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-three, he says. Whoever would come after me would must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. How is it exactly do we follow the Lord Jesus? We follow his words. He says, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you are my disciples indeed. If my word remains in you. In other words, does the word of God still find place in your heart to obey? Even if you are currently struggling to obey, is there an intention and desire to want to have to, to obey, to want to receive strength and grace to obey? 
And so that's in the that's the manner in which we follow Jesus is by the sound and wholesome words of the Lord Jesus Christ is what he said, taught and did. But today we have a lot of relativists, a lot of uh people that want to uh, uh, make the scriptures as if it's just one truth among many and they will even claim to be Christians and say that's your interpretation and I have my own but really what that leads to is a false Jesus who isn't the only way who isn't exclusive and then we begin to create the Mormon Jesus we begin to create the Jehovah's Witness Jesus we begin to create all these other Jesuses that are not the Jesus in truth Either we have the self-righteous, angry, never-forgiving Jesus that's always looking to strike people down, or we have this hippie Jesus that is tolerant of anybody. And there is no standard, there's no uh, uh, a teaching that tells you that you have to change your life. Neither of them are true. It's the Jesus of the Scriptures, who's full of grace and truth. Not just truth and no grace, and not just grace and no truth. <clears throat> and so Paul is telling Timothy, he says, "What you have heard from me." What Paul isn't what he's what Paul's telling Timothy to follow isn't what he's heard from the devil. It's what he's read from the scriptures. What he's know uh, what he knows uh, of the Lord Jesus, who, who said, did, and taught. So Paul is telling Timothy, look, I have these words and I'm transmitting them to you. It's a, it's an, a body of knowledge. And this body of knowledge, if kept, will save both yourself and your hearers. And this is why we, we come under the preaching of the word, is because we have to find a place in our hearts to say that I need to sit under the, the wholesome words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, what you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. That word sound in the Greek means wholesome. The words that we teach, they're wholesome words. And you maintain it with both faith and love in Christ Jesus. You're to be faithful to them. You're to rest in them and bank on these promises. And so he says this, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. You all at this present moment, you have been entrusted with the revelations and the mysteries of the gospel. And you must therefore be stewards to keep that which has been committed to you. And we're not commanded to guard it by our own strength. Because if that was the case, none of us would be here today. But we're here today because the Holy Spirit that lives within us strengthens us in all our weaknesses. And it's through the help of the Holy Spirit that we can guard that which has been entrusted to us. You know, I remember uh, hearing a preacher and he says, how is it that we can live defeated if we have God the Holy Ghost, God the Son, and God the Father residing within us? He says, God, God won't die in you. Does God live defeated? Does God live uh, depressed? Does God live 
uh, under the bondage of sin. God doesn't live in any of that. And so therefore, with God, the Holy Ghost in us, we can live victorious lives with His help. Now to Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to His power that is at work in us. See, we always want to detach that verse and say, God, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above. But you know, he throws it right back in your court and says, through his power that works in you, works in me. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to his power that works in us. See, I need you guys to get this. See, people don't understand how much power is in God. See, if it wasn't for the power of God, today I would not be here. I'd be dead in prison or in a hospital or, you know, probably insane out of my mind from drugs. That's where I would be. But it's the power of God and the miracle working power of the Lord Jesus that I'm here today. not because of myself it's not because of you you know I, I want you to get this understanding I remember <clears throat> I remember in the world um, and I think it, it captures a good picture of of this truth in principle I remember when when I would do some very risky things um, I would I would intoxicate myself with very hardened drugs. The why why I would do that is to suppress any fear that would want to rise up. And so I would I would become very high to suppress to to, to lower the voice of fear. You know, if I was going to rob some drugs from houses and all that stuff. Um, or get in rumbles or, you know, retaliation or whatever I did, I knew that if I was sober, it would be more challenging for me. And so I would suppress that fear through drugs. And so, but notice, this is a human chemical. This is a chemical that's natural. And even for those of you that used to drink, and you would find a courage that rises up to do what you didn't do before. Okay, but we serve the omnipotent God who would empower us to live above fear. But the reason is not because God is lacking in power, but it's that you are lacking in prayer. That's the problem. We don't avail ourselves of all that's available in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? <clears throat> I I want to I want to. Ch- are we alive? I hope that we're okay. <sighs> yeah, we good, bro. Yes, sir. Okay, so Paul is telling you. Look, he's telling Timothy, guard it. He says, guard it. Keep the pattern. In other words, don't fall into heresy. Don't fall into false doctrine. 
Because, you know, the, the majority of false teachers, you know where it begins? It doesn't begin here. It begins in their heart. They don't want certain things to be true in the Bible, so they'll argue against it. Intent is prior to content. In other words, my intentions will dictate whatever content I want to be true. And I will just find whatever I can to support that. That's where, that's where um, false doctrine comes the majority of the time. is isn't even necessarily a head issue. It's a heart issue. But if we're to remain Christ's disciples, that means that we have to have the heart to not play origami with God's Word. Because you can make the Bible to say just whatever you want it to say. But we can't do that. And look at in 2 Timothy chapter 3, chapter 3 verses 1 through 5, we see the results of those who do this. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5, and we have a lot of talk of end times, end times, end times. Well, look it. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible times. People will be lovers of themselves. Do we have to go far to see that today? Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. See, if 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 you're you know not of age, you're not an adult, and you say that you obey Jesus, but you don't obey your parents, you're a liar. Amen. Now, obviously, if they say stop, you know, serving God or something like that, then. You know, you don't listen to stuff like that. But, you know, if they say, hey, wash the dishes, and you're like, Pfft. You know, I remember uh, what I heard some, some years back. I heard a man of God say, you know, people don't mind being called servants of God. They just don't want to be treated like one. We, we'll be quick to say, hey, you know, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus, but we don't want to be treated like one. Because the moment you're actually told something, what happens? You get bent out of shape. You get all proud. You're like, who are you to tell me what to do? Are, but I mean, are, are we servants? That That's what it comes down to. Are we serving the Lord Jesus or are we serving our own appetites? <clears throat> Let me tell you, let me drop this bomb on you. If you cannot submit to a leader who you can see, how are you submitting to the God that you cannot see? See, we want to just privatize this stuff, man. And it's not a private uh, 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 faith. It's not a private faith. You know, I sit on my Instagram stories and I really mean it. And someone ended up laughing at it. I'm like, it's 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 funny to me. It's it's just how much we really are out of step with the scriptures. But I said I refuse to mentor someone that has hopped from place to place to place for the same reason an employer will not employ someone who has had a, five different jobs in the past year. You can't listen to nobody. Don't waste my time. I won't waste yours. Do you see that? I don't know if you've ever been in a job interview. They ask you like. You know, you know, they ask you about your history. Or how about this? 
How many men have you been with in the past two years? How many women have you been with? And you just want someone all of a sudden to believe that your husband or wife material? It don't work that way. How are you mentee or spiritual daughter or spiritual uh, son material if you can't listen to nobody? You only listen to your own religion that you've created in your own mind that, that exalts a Jesus that condones what you want to do. Proud. Pride. Humility is the way of the, of, of the master. Humility. Meekness. Meekness isn't a lack of power, but it's a restraint of it. Amen? But he says this, Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know, let me say this as an indictment against people. You don't know how many people will avoid a Bible study just so they can get their precious Starbucks. How many people would rather avoid prayer because they want to go shopping? Tell me, do you love God or do you love your pleasures more than you love God? You know, you don't you don't know how how I mean it's it's plaguing Americans. They will even be late to work just so they can get their Starbucks. And it's not a funny thing. It's not a laughing matter. It's not. Because you know why you're offering this this freaking place. And I'm not saying stop drinking Starbucks. I'm just saying I, I don't drink it. I'm not going to try to impose guilt on anybody. But these people that are LGBT advocates, homosexual advocates, and who has a as a demon for their icon... And spend how much money? And you're going to be late to prayer, late to Bible studies because you want to support LGBT advocates that are militant about shoving it down our throats? Amen. We need reformation in the house of God. And I'm not trying to, you know condemn anybody and I trust that none of us here are of that character but we need a change oh look what do you what do you what do we watch in our homes <clears throat> what do we watch in our homes are you watching people make out you know I remember listening to uh, uh, what's his name uh, pastor David Wilkerson some time back and in, oh, no, uh, what's his name? Um, John Ramirez. He was a man that used to be a satanic priest. He was heavy in the witchcraft. He got saved. But I believe he had some association with David Wilkerson. I'm not sure if David Wilkerson fathered him in the faith, but I know that Wilkerson fathered Nikki Cruz. <coughs> and, and during that time, I believe it was in the early and mid 2000s, 
John Ramirez was sharing about how David Wilkerson would come upon his people, come down upon his church and says, you want to leave church early so you can watch the wicked Sopranos. These mobsters that are murdering people and you want to watch a that is reflective of the very thing that put Jesus on the cross. How many, how many soap operas, how many uh, uh, um, Jezebelic uh, uh, women shows are you watching and you're so eager and you can't get it out of your mind even when you're sitting under the preaching of the Word of God? Or yes, like our sister said, how many sports? I'm not saying sports are bad, but it, it's just inundating your mind and it's this exhaustive treadmill. Just watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. But you're watching stuff with women gossiping to other women about who's cheating on who. Do you think uh, Jesus wouldn't watch that stuff? You know what I mean? He wouldn't. But he says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Look at the verse 5 is the most concerning to me. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. Form of godliness. Denying its power. Never mind power to cast out demons. Never mind power to heal the sick. Power to live holy. Power to live holy. Are we going to fail? Yes. But we pursue after holiness. Amen. First Timothy chapter four verses one through two. Look at and I I want to sober us up here. First Timothy chapter four verses one and two. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter time some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. See, some of you think that, you know, you have to draw a pentagram, a little star in a circle and light candles and blow smoke and do all this stuff. Cut your arm to offer some blood in order for there to be demonic doctrines. You know, let me tell you, that's, that's, that is the least deceptive demonic doctrine because it's in your face. And, and, and I mean, how many people are going to just stumble into that? Hey, let me just cut my blood and just... You know, sign me up for that. No. That's the least deceptive. <clears throat> the more deceptive is ministers, people using the Bible in such a way to where it's just that little bit of leaven that messes up the whole lump for you. Or how about, and, and I talk about this a lot because I believe it's one of the most deceptive things today. How about those ministers who are hipsters? 
and they're not truthfully proclaiming the word and truth. They just want you to come to have your hour or hour and a half religion as they appease your conscience as they're sipping on their latte behind their pulpit and they're self-indulgent of all of their achievements and their megachurches and they'll tell you whatever you want to hear but everything has to go according to plan everything is so structured because they don't listen to the Holy Spirit everything is oh, five minutes for this ten minutes for this and, and where's the anointing in that? There's no power. <clears throat> so there's a great falling away. People are going to be uh, succumb to demonic doctrines and, and, and things taught by demons. You know demons teach stuff? They do. They do. And you know the de- there's some things that demons have taught that are in our Christian bookstores. I would I would say like and if it's not demonically taught it's man-made like it's something man invented like the traditions of men either it's demonic doctrines or traditions of men there's very a lot of it's not pure it's not pure word of god unadulterated word of god hope this is making sense <clears throat> this is have nothing to do with such people. You know, there was a guy, I don't know if I mentioned this already, he just like randomly messaged me on my Instagram. And uh and he was uh and I, I asked him, I said, Why are you messaging me? I know this sounds rude, but I said, Why are you mess I didn't know who he was. I said, is there a reason why you're messaging me? So yeah, I'm a Christian rapper. So? I don't I don't know who you are. I, I don't know what you're about. I don't know your life. I don't know if you're real. You can say you're a Christian rapper. But I have no intention on associating with people. They're not living this for real. I know, well, struggling is one thing. I, I get that. I'm not saying that if you struggle, if you're you know having difficulties... I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about for real. Like, are you? Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to be receive power from Him to do what He's asking you to do, even if you struggle in it? Are you sincere? Look at John chapter six. John chapter 6, we'll just be reading a, a couple more passages and we'll come to a close. John chapter 6, verse 56. John chapter 6, verse 56 says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Does that sound like Stephen Furtick there or Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes? Like, you have to understand, like, it was already difficult enough for Jews to hear, like, for Jews to be willing to, like, eat pig 
right? Like that's something they didn't do. But Jesus is going so far and he's not even clearing up what he's saying to them. And it seems as if he's saying, yeah, you all have to become cannibalists. Like actually eat my blood, like eat my flesh and drink my, like, so what he's doing here is he's offending their minds to reveal their hearts. And he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them just as the living, just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your answers, ancestors ate manna and died and whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples... Well, now notice this. This isn't the lost. This isn't the world. This is his disciples. Does this offend you? He says, Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend, ascended to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. So he, they're offended at his words. They're saying, who, who can endure this stuff? And then he turns to his 12 and he says, in verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. In other words, there ain't nothing for me to do. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah, this stuff is hard. Yeah, it has. I have to endure sound doctrine. Yes, there's an endurance on my part, but hey, I've left everything to follow you. What am I going to do? To whom shall I go? What, am I going to go back to the clubs again? Am I going to go back uh, uh, slanging again? Am I going to go back to this stuff? Are you going to go back to that stuff? There's no life in it. But maybe you say, well, you know, I just want to live a decent life. I'll just have my family. I'll have my nice comfort. And I might even just go to church once a week on a Sunday. But, you know, just not too much of this stuff. No, Jesus necessitates everything. He wants it all. We can't lay claim to anything in our lives. But understand that he gave you all. He gave you himself. He gave me himself. He doesn't ask us things that he himself was not willing to do. But guess what? He's not asking for you to go on a physical cross. He's asking for you to be a living sacrifice. So many people say, I'll die for you, Lord. But you ain't living for him. We're so quick to say, we'll die for you, but you won't live for him. 
You're indifferent when it comes to Bible studies. You won't pray. But that's our power source. That should be the enjoyment. The Bible describes that as meat and, and, and bread. And it's like if, if we don't want to eat and dine in Christ, how do we think for a minute we're going to war on his behalf? It's like, it's like you, you get what I'm saying? It's like you've been listening to an army and, and when it comes to coming to prayer, it comes to hearing the word of God, you won't join, right? Or you won't read your Bible. So how are we going to fight when it comes to demons oppressing you? Demons trying to ruin your marriage. Demons trying to ruin your life. How are you going to fight and pick up the sword and actually go to battle or take a stand for Christ on your workplace and be persecuted, be slandered and be gossiped about if we can't have times of enjoyment in Christ? Do you see? says will you will you leave too this is why john says he says they were of us but they left us for their going show that they were not of us that it might be made manifest that they were not from god second timothy chapter 4 verses 9 through uh yeah, Second Timothy chapter four. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Second Timothy chapter four, verses nine. He says this: <clears throat> Do your best to come to me quickly. This is Paul writing to Timothy. You know, I just want to stop right there. Some of you at that point would say, "Who are you to tell me? Don't tell me to come." See, is this about gospel mission and gospel advancement, or is this about your own sacred and comfortable life? Are we serving the Lord Jesus, or are we serving Starbucks? Are we serving the Lord Jesus, or are we serving Target? Let me see. Are we serving the Lord Jesus, or are you serving your own I desire? Your own ideal desire to get married and have your cute little comfortable home and you do nothing. Are we serving the Lord Jesus or are you serving your popularity? Are you serving the Lord Jesus or are you serving your own your own job because God the money is your God? I'm not saying quit your job, I'm not saying all that. I'm saying put the Lord Jesus first. Be a soldier. Be a soldier for him. You know, this is why, you know, it, it's it's so powerful when people who've been in gangs, when they come to God, or, or people who've experienced like near-death experiences and stuff like that. You know why? Because in the world, they've already counted the cost. They're willing to die for a nonsense cause. And I'm not saying that the majority of us here will even have to die. But it's like, man, we have the privilege and the honor to live for Him. It's an honor. It's an enjoyment. 
So, uh, where are we at? Where are we at with Christ? <clears throat> I'm not. I'm not questioning our salvation. I'm not. I'm not going there. I'm not saying that you're not saved. But I'm saying, don't you want the world to see that? Or are you hiding it under a basket? You know, there's a song, uh, um, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But are we really allowing the light to shine in our lives? Are we hiding this, are we hiding this light under a basket? The Bible says we are a city on a hill. And this city cannot be hidden. We have to allow this to be shown by men. But serving Christ comes at a cost. It does. But he says, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loves this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. So people are deserting him. You know, I, I know people have said, you know, I, I wish I was I lived in the days of Jesus because, you know, I would I would love to see Israel or I love to see all these things. But I think that, man, it would have been a whole lot more difficult in some ways because the holy spirit already tells you and i some things and how how easy for you to just turn that alarm off you put you put the holy spirit on snooze and say i, I, I no i don't want to listen but whereas if jesus was in person you can't just do that and he and he's and so paul he he lived a radical life I'm not saying that we will live a life like Paul, but he's living a radical life and, and demons, for whatever reason, it's like he deserted him. And Paul attributes this to say, hey, he just loves this world. <clears throat> he loves this world too much. So, as, as we go on, he says, A deserted me has gone to Thessalonica, Cretans has gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in, the ministry, in my ministry. The interesting thing about Mark is that Paul actually got in a dispute with uh, uh, Barnabas, because Barnabas wanted Mark to continue with Paul and them, but Paul says, I don't want him with me. Because when when uh, when uh, Paul had called for him on one occasion, Mark didn't go, and so Paul says, "I don't want him," and, th and that was in the book of Acts. And then later, Paul ends up finding Mark actually very useful. So I say this as an encouragement because th there may have been things that you have done that have been. Um, unfaithful to to the mission unfaithful to Christ but there is an occasion for you to shape up whatever 
mistakes you've made in the past. And and you may not have been useful use, useful before in the kingdom of but God can now make you useful in the kingdom. So as they say it's not how you started but it's how how you end that matters. Whereas Demas it, my assumption is that he began well but he ended very poorly. And he deserts Paul. He says I can't do this no more. I, I, I can't eat of the Lord's flesh and drink of his blood. These are hard sayings who can endure them. I can't pick up my cross anymore. But he says, verse 12, I sent uh, Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Paul says, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. So look, you have to make up in your mind, my brothers and sisters, there's going to be some people that desert you. There are going to be family members that turn against you. You know, I had a couple who said, you know, I'm very happy for your change when I came to Christ. But there were a lot of people that began to, to, to uh, hate me. And they say, we, we don't like this Jesus stuff. Can you tune this down? Can you shut up about this already? And, 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 <clears throat> and, and let me tell you this. There will even be people in the church because of your zeal and your fire on the Lord who won't get you, who won't understand you, who will want to uh, uh, love you at a distance because you're too much for them. That can happen too. And the, the, Peter says this, he says, they maligned you, they, they talk about you. And in 1 Peter, he says, but they will have to give an account for God, to God, for what they say about you. What they do to you. But Paul, you know, and to make matters worse, he's in prison. And, and he can't just, you know, call on the phone or text or go on Instagram live and say, hey, you know, pray for me. <laughs> Feel somewhat connected with somebody. Right? He's writing these these letters to them. And he says, all these people, they've, they've deserted me. I'm by myself. And what he says this right here, he says, <clears throat> But the Lord stood at my side. The Lord stood at my side. You know, last night I was praying to the Lord. And I just began to repeat these simple words. The sim- this simple word, Father. Father, Father. And it was just pitch black in in my room and, and I felt the presence of God come and I was communing with my Father. I was communing with God. His presence is very real and He will stand by you to give you strength even when everyone else has deserted you.
He will never leave us nor forsake us. He stands as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, he says of Abraham, and Abraham was described as a friend of God. He says, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? <laughs> he asks a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is no. But he says, shall I do this to my own friend? Hide from my friend what I am about to do? Intimacy with the Father. And the reason why we often are not strengthened because we haven't embarked upon that realm of God where you can just say simply, Father, Father. And those hot tears begin to stream down your eyes as the presence of God makes His entrance into your room in that secret place. You know, Ravenhill had said this, he says, If you kneel before God, you can stand before any man. The secret of praying is to pray in secret. And the reason why I can stand before kings and rulers and magistrates and testify about the Son of God is because the Son of God testifies to me in my private place that I am His and He is mine. That is the strength of our relationship. That is the strength of this of our Christian walk is intimacy with the living God, with the living Christ, to where it's not just this concept. It's more than theology. It's more than a Bible college. It's it's sitting under the tutelage and the Christ, uh, uh, the, the 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 school of Christ, having a relationship with Him. He says, they deserted me, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. Whose strength? Not mine. It's his. So let me ask you this question. Can Christ stand in that position and endure it? If the answer is yes, which it is, then my brothers and sisters, if you pray rightfully and intimately and endure in that private place, of prayer and wait on the Lord to endue you with power, you too can stand there. And it may seem as if you're exhausting your resources because he says after you've done all to stand, you've done everything that you know how to stand and you're currently standing, he says stand therefore. So if you can't find a place to advance, to move forward, stand. And there's three facets to our relationship with God. There's sitting, standing, and walking. We're seated with Him in heavenly places. We walk in Him, but in times of opposition, we stand. And there's a fourth possibility that is not ideal, but it occurs, and it's when you fall. But like what I, I believe it's in Psalm 55, David says, Though he fall, he shall be upholden, says the Lord. Though a righteous man falls, he shall not uh, uh, he shall not utterly fall. The Bible says, but for the Lord upholds him. You know the psalmist Christ says, "My feet had well nigh slipped, but the Lord upheld me." How many of you thankful that the Lord upholds us? The Lord keeps us by His preserving power. 
Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above. Now to him who's to keep us of faultless until his coming. May he preserve your spirit, soul, and body. <clears throat> but there's a purpose. And it wasn't just so he can be strengthened for the purposes of strength alone, as an end in itself. But he says, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, this is where you need to learn how to pray, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. If you have to turn your cheek, then you have to turn your cheek. That happens. But you know what? I don't go into situations intending on me turning my cheek. I I, I pray about things. I, I even pray God cut people off. Cut. You know, if, if, if you're in a job and there's wicked people in the higher ups, pray that God cuts them off. Lose their jobs. Replace them with the righteous. The Lord doesn't want to secure people that are going to ensnare those that are under them. We will rule and reign with Him. We is the church of Jesus Christ. He has placed His enemies as His a footstool underneath His feet. Especially when we're dealing with kids. And these wicked LGBT people that are is causing these little ones to stumble. <clears throat> but he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil, evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And let me let me read one other uh, one other one. You don't have to turn there, but it's chapter three, verses fourteen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And he says this. So he's telling Timothy. <clears throat> remember how I read in the beginning. Jesus says we have to pick up our cross. And a, a part of picking up that cross is abiding in his word. And his word abiding in us. Which can be difficult to endure. Such as eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. This offended some of his disciples. And they couldn't continue with him any longer. But Paul's instruction to Timothy is says, keep the sound pattern, the pattern of these sound words, and insist in them. So in, in in so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And he's further instructing him in the third chapter in Second Timothy. He says, look, you have learned this stuff, and you've learned it from the from infancy. You have known the holy scriptures. They're able to make you wise. But these scriptures are useful for correcting you, rebuking you, teaching, and training. So rebuking implies, look, there's times where the Word of God is going to tell you you need to stop. You need to stop. 
and it's going to correct you in the areas that you need to be corrected. And so it's going to chisel some of those character flaws that you have in order to sculpt you more and more into the image of Christ. But you have to endure that. And look at what Paul says, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. You know, there's a perfect picture of this in Daniel. It says that he's seen a vision and the dead arose and the, both the living and, and the, the righteous and the unrighteous were judged before, before God. <clears throat> he says, in the presence of God, I'm instructing you. I'm not, I'm not instructing you before a, a, a temporal judge. I'm not instructing you before anybody else but God himself. He says, in his presence, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. So Paul could have easily said, look, I'm giving you this command and that's enough. But he says, in light of all this, brothers and sisters, in light of all this, I give you this command. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Why? He says, with great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do all do the work of an evangelist, discharge all your duties, the duties of your ministry. <clears throat> I was talking with someone recently. I'm not going to say his name. No, you guys wouldn't know him anyways, but... Um, I was talking with him and, uh, he was telling me that I am, uh, basically under the law. That's what he, he always tells me because he finds that I actually believe we're supposed to sacrifice. And so he's kind of on this hyper grace sort of train and that's all he seems to be able to know how to talk about. And him and I have gone back and forth and he's one of my family members. And so him and I, you know, he's, he's try to go back and forth with me and stuff and he says look he he even tells lost people that they're children of God and he says that he tells them that because he's hopeful that God will keep them or or save them and stuff like that and I and I said and then he says that how he suspends his judgment he doesn't really you know project judgments on people and he says you know because when I was in sin and this and this and that he said that you know, when he was living, you know, a life, he said he would wish on a star, like hope that God would save him that, you know, so a lot of it is out of his own experience. And that's what leads him to do what he does today. But he told me this thing, he said, uh, he says he doesn't really judge people. And I said, let me let me ask you a question. Let me press back on that a little bit. I said, how would you advise a pastor to suspend judgment of those that he's shepherding if the Bible says to beware of wolves, it seems as if you have to make a judgment to be aware of the things that should not be there, right? And he says, I don't know. He says, I'm not a pastor. I couldn't tell you that. And he's very in tune with politics. And I don't know the lady. There was a black lady recently who was questioned on some sort of panel. They asked her about gender. And she says, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. I don't know how to answer that. And I said, I said, how are you any different from the lady? And I knew he would have known this reference. I said, how are you any different from the lady who said, I'm not a biologist, I can't tell you about gender. And I said, the reality is you do know. 
but you know that this is a practical concern and you're not willing to shape your beliefs in accordance with the scriptures. So the Bible does tell us to make judgments. We're coming to a close. <clears throat> the Bible tells us to make judgments. And the sad reality, my brothers and sisters, is that this is a faith walk and it will require everything from us. And just like some of the disciples, they couldn't follow Jesus anymore. And just like some people who have deserted Paul. In our own private relationship with God. We have the option. Are we going to accumulate for ourselves? Teachers? Ideas? That will confirm what you want to be true. That will confirm your own desires. And it says it will itch our, it'll scratch our itching ears. In other words, you have this itch and you need relief. And so teachings will serve as a scratching device to give you relief. Because there's this constant itch for it to be satisfied. Or are we going to endure hardness, like Paul tells Timothy, as a good soldier? And we will endure with Christ. We will endure. Last passage, Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. It says, for this reason, and well, actually beginning at verse 3, he says, he talks about his, his prayers to God and he thanks him and he says, I remember your tears, Timothy. So Timothy is going through stuff. They're not Stoics. They're not, uh, they don't, they're not devoid of emotions and pain and, you know, it's not this pie in the sky faith. There's real problems that they go through. Paul says, always sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. But Paul takes note of his tears and says, look, I remember them and I'm constantly in prayer for you. <clears throat> in verse six, he says, for this reason, for what reason? Maybe his tears, maybe he's succumbing to fear. I don't know. But he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Or as some translation says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you're dealing with a spirit of fear, you know already automatically that's not from God. The Bible clearly tells you right here, that is not your inheritance as a believer. Your inheritance as a believer is a spirit of courage, a spirit of faith, right? And he says, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, or as other translations says, and a sound mind. That's what God has given you. And that's what we can walk in as believers. We can walk in power. We can walk in love. We can walk in self-discipline. And chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say. This is going back to this doctrine aspect. Enduring sound doctrine. From infancy, knowing the Holy Scriptures that are able to make you wise in Christ Jesus. 
what you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be who will also be qualified to teach others we cannot claim to have Christ and yet not have his teachings and so Paul recognizes that you have to be strong in order for you to maintain these teachings but the the hope is that the strength isn't in my strength. The strength is in the grace of the Lord Jesus. Grace is divine empowerment. Grace is empowerment from God through the Holy Spirit to you in order to strengthen you for His purposes. This is why Paul could say, The Lord stood by me, Though everyone else deserted me, so that the Gentiles might hear. So there is work for us to do. But we must work within the boundaries of the correct and sound teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say this as I'm coming to a close. The word of God is like manna. It's soothing. It can give us peace and hope. The Bible says in Romans 15 or chapter 14, if I'm not mistaken, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So the scripture should lead to encouragement and hope. But do not be mistaken that the scriptures also confront us and they can rebuke us and they can correct us there's both aspects and we should not let one uh, one go without the other we shouldn't let either of them go we are to marry these two realities together of the encouragement but also the correction that is within the scriptures but they are there as guardrails to define our practices and our faith in Christ Jesus. And some things are hard to be understood, as Paul, uh, Peter says of Paul in his writings. And it says, unstable men twist for their own destruction. And so, as we've read, in the latter times will come many demonic doctrines and fallings away and perilous times. And my hope and my prayer is that we are not among them. And that we would not be like those disciples who faltered and say, you know what, Jesus? I just can't take this anymore. I can't. I'm going to leave. This is too hard. (coughs) I believe salvation occurs in a moment by the justifying act of Christ by faith. But I say this with fear in my heart. I hope it I hope it's not the case. That some of you don't endure. It says he that endures to the end 
the same shall be saved. I don't know what awaits our lives. But I know that the Bible tells us that we can have hope apart from our circumstances that will keep us despite the suffering we go through. And either way, we're going to have a hard life. Either it's for the devil or it's with Christ. And hopefully that dichotomy will help you more so you can be assured there are no alternatives. There's no other option. There's not a third option, brothers and sisters. There's not. It's Christ or it's the devil. And the devil will allow you to travel with him many different paths many different roads he says pick your pick it just cannot be Jesus of the scriptures you want to go with Islam Mormonism Hedonism Relativism Atheism you can have the Baskin Robbins of hell there's many flavors But Jesus makes it very clear. He says, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That's what he says of himself. And the man that says, I know God, but doesn't listen to the Son, he is a liar. Amen. <clears throat> So I want to ask us this question. You know, I'm not looking for answers, but as I'm coming to a close, I want to ask us this question so our conscience can be confronted with it. <clears throat> Are we going to leave Jesus? Or are we going to say, Lord, I don't know how, and I even have my fears. But I want to keep following you. I've sinned just yesterday, Lord. I know that, but I want to keep following you. Will you clean me up? Will you help me? Because I don't know how to do this. But he's looking for that heart that says, I'm willing. There's a parable he told of... <clears throat> This manager, I haven't read it in quite a while, so I can't remember the details completely. But he tells, you know, one person to work in the field, and he says, I'll work. But then he ends up not working. And the other one he told, he says, I won't work. But then he later then goes, and he ends up working. Again, it's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. So today we have the option to choose this day whom we shall serve. Either we serve our own appetites or we serve Christ exclusively. And it comes at a cost. 
comes at a cost. And so, those who choose not to, they may even be in church today, but they've accumulated for themselves smooth talkers to use the Bible so that they feel as if they're getting religion, the true religion, but they're told things that are false. So while they get comfort, they also get damnation. And so, I hope that these sobering words awaken us. I want to close in prayer. (coughs) Father, I pray right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you would strengthen your people, Lord. I pray, Father God, that they would find a a place in their hearts to receive of your word. Father, I pray that you would give them the grace and you would give them the strength to obey. Father, I pray for those that are timid and are afraid. Father, they feel like this is a very difficult road and they don't want to go back, but they aren't quite sure if they have the strength to continue forward. Father, would you give them sufficient grace to keep them? Would you give them sufficient grace to keep them, Father? Would you empower them in this moment? Would you impart hope, Lord, so that they can be assured that if they receive of you these difficult commands that they can endure. Father, I pray that they would not believe the lie that it's impossible for them to endure. God, give them the, the heart full of love, Lord. A heart full of love and faith. Father, I pray, God, that they would not sink down into despair and hopelessness. But Father, you would lift them up, God, and you would begin to change their character and you begin to work a mighty work in their hearts so that they would, Lord, be different. They would be changed, God. And Father, they would not relapse back into sin. They would not go and look for comfort in sex or drugs or alcohol or fame or popularity, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would help them, Lord, to find contentment in you and complete satisfaction in your presence and in your name, O Lord. Father, help us to keep following you wherever you lead us, O Lord. Father, may we not be like Lot's wife that put our hands on the plow and look back. Hallelujah. I pray, Father, for grace and strength. May your presence, may your presence come upon them. May your presence come upon them, Lord. Father, and I pray that you help them in their relationships. I pray, Father, for those that are married, that you help them in their marriages, that they would honor Christ in the context of their marriages. Father, I pray for those that are single, Lord, that are finding it difficult to refrain from sexual activity, Lord. I pray that you would give them the grace to refrain. 
Father, that they would keep themselves in all purity. And Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name. Um, I, I feel impressed and I'm not, I'm not asking for anybody to tell on themselves say there's, there's someone in this group chat and you, you resort to smoking weed. You resort to smoking weed and God is telling you to give that up. Father, I pray, Lord, that they would cut that out of their lives. Lord, they would look holy to you. We look holy to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Recording stopped. <clears throat>